You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for checking out the Redux Church Podcast, a place for genuine conversation covering Scripture and the principles we glean from it. Now, here's your host. All right, everybody, we are delighted to have you back with us in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 7. Uh, looking forward to having a good time today. Uh, we are honored to have John Yule Sr. today. Glad to be with you guys. All right. And uh, we have my normal running mate cohort. Uh, how are you, Jeremy? I'm good. I'm back from outer space. Back from outer space. <laughs> took, a, took a break on chapter six. Okay. Probably take a break on chapter eight. Uh, you're going to have to take a long break here as we read uh, I know. 43 <laughs> verses of Scripture. I was going to say, we're going we're gonna to dive into that. But uh, we, we need to do two things uh, as we uh, get started here. Um, one is to remember that uh, end of chapter 6, Stephen is seized and has some false accusations made. So we're going to be dealing with his defense in chapter 7. And then we want to tell everybody to go worship for a little bit. Jeremy, yeah. take care of that. I mean, you know, it's the thing. If you guys know me, you know I'm a worship guy. And the reality is it's pretty much the only thing we have to give to God. That's really ours. Everything else we have is from him. You know, I say this all the time. So take some time out. Go online, you know, listen to Spotify. It's really super easy to to worship God by yourself. I think we make it harder than it is. Yeah. I mean, you can sit in your car and just be intentional. And that's really what it is, right? I mean, it's about intentionality. Getting getting our minds set on him, focused on him, with not the goal of getting something, but the goal of giving something. So I encourage you to do that. Well, I, I not to get off track, but no, that's if you can't worship by yourself, are you really worshiping when you're in a group? I mean, probably not. I mean, I don't know. Just a I, you thought. Know, that's, that's Just fair. a thought for hey, the day. And two, before I forget about it, I want to remind everybody, um, if you're listening to this in the normal chronological order, uh, we are, um, see, by the time this releases, we'll be about a week away from Redux IRL yes. 004 at the Arcadia Round Barn. So make sure and meet us out there. we got room for 100, uh, but it's going to be a blast. we got uh, violin. For, our, for the music, we'll have some violin, and it's an acoustic set. It's going to be really nice. Cool. All right. We're going to dive into uh, 43 verses. Uh, we're going to assume you went and worshiped, and you are back with us. And uh, uh, you're going to have to follow along in case I have to stop and cough. You can yeah, I'll just pick, pick up, it right up. up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, verse 1. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. 
and he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan in great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and uh, Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamar in Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would be understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wrong, uh, his neighbor, thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and he did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them, and now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler or a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, 
God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your God, Rephan, and the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Good job, dude. Wow, we made it. <laughs> yeah. All 43 <laughs> verses, and I didn't stop to cough once. Did We're well. going to praise the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So, um, Pastor John, it may seem like we have read 43 boring <laughs> verses of history. So uh, help us make sense of, of what we've read here for a minute. <laughs> well, I was thinking as you were reading this, this is Stephen's defense against the false accusations, right? right. And, and how we were challenged and are challenged in the scripture through Paul to always be ready to give a defense of mm, the hope that you good. have. That's real good. Within you, you know, and those, the, although this is obviously a true historical account, we all continually are assailed to some degree for our witness in Christ, for what we choose to believe and speak and, and testify to. And uh, I think it's significant that uh, it, it says here, because of the spirit of wisdom that God gave Stephen, they really could not contend with him, yeah. right? And uh, oftentimes when we're accosted or we're confronted, we tend to either clam up, back up in fear, maybe of not knowing what to say, rather than just stepping up and honoring Christ and letting the Lord give us. He says, I'll put in your mouth what you need to say, we need to say it type thing. So um, the gospel always needs to be defended. There's always antichrist spirits that are trying to work against us as Christians. And we need to be ready at any time to give a defense for our faith. That puts an onus on us to understand our faith, to truly um, not just have heard about a teaching or even have it in our mind, but truly birth it in our heart. It becomes a reality to us, right? And so obviously, as Stephen is talking here, uh, he knows the history of, of his people, because they were taught that in rabbinical school. Well, actually, synagogue school. Yeah. Um, and yet, uh, how can you contend with what you know to be true? And they knew that what he was telling, all historically true. They all knew it. They've been taught it, right? So I think the challenge for us is to just accept the fact that the, the gospel is going to be um, confronted. And probably even more so in America as we're moving forward. We know that more and more angst against the Christians in the church. And but we need to be bold enough to step up and give a defense of it and speak the truth. So so let's deal with with this thought for a second. Uh, we have Stephen, who is a follower of Christ in the New Testament church, 
and yet he's been brought before the leaders of the Jewish religion, the leaders of Israel. Yeah. And yet he's still calling them brothers. Right. Because well, he's a Jew. He's still Jewish. Okay. Yeah. All In fact, everyone's basically, a, who is a Christian, is really a Jew uh, outside of the Gentiles uh, yeah. for the first couple hundred years, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was important for someone who may not grasp the, the whole of the history mm-hmm. to grab that part. Um, the other thing I, I want to I wanna maybe try and get us to talk about for a minute, uh, uh, Abraham had more than one son. Right. Yeah. And yet in, in Timothy's, uh, in Stephen's account, Timothy, where did I get Timothy? Uh, <laughs> in Stephen's account here, he, he only calls out Isaac. Mm. And in, in light of our current world events, uh, this is particularly more interesting than it would be uh, outside of maybe a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he calls Isaac, but, but he does not call uh, Ishmael. Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, let, let's. What, what's our thoughts on that, <laughs> well, man? I don't even. Yeah, where to go on that, right? <laughs> well, here. I mean, here's the thing. I, you know, I and I'm probably gonna mess up what you're trying to do. So I'm sorry, Wayne. I don't. I, I don't have an overarching. No, I know. I know. Well, goal here. I, just so. thinking about it though, like so. So I, I, I want to marry kind of the thoughts I had about this with even with what John just said about defending our position in our faith. So one of the things that I see here is, you know, if you're reading this in the ESV, like this is the heading of this is Stephen's speech. And I think that's just very, it's, it's, it's apropos because it is, it's this long defensive speech. And and here's the question he's answering. Keep in mind, verse one, and the high priest said, are these things so? Mm-hmm. They asked a four word question, at least in the translation of English. And he he goes on for a chapter, yeah, right, to answer that four word question. Now, what he's done here is he's laying out this case to me of things that you already pointed out, Wayne, that they knew, mm-hmm. but how that what they now know uh, is right and good how it was rewarded, how it was received. You know, they talk about Joseph. Here's Joseph. He's mm-hmm. doing this. He's saving Egypt. But but what happened to him? He was thrown in prison. You know, you mm-hmm. see the response to Moses trying to help the, the Hebrew children, and they judge him. And, you know, it's, so it's like, to me, he's setting up this thing of, you're about to do what's been done yeah. all of yeah. these times. And and so the thing about this, too, and I'm remi- I was reminded of this time when I was really new at working at a church uh, as a worship pastor. And the the church I went to work at, it was one of the few times where I wasn't building a program from scratch, but they already had a program in place. But their people were, the, the worship team was just, they were so... Um, uh, self-absorbed each individual person. And for those who know a bunch of musicians, you're going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But this was extraordinarily <laughs> self-absorbed. You mm. said that, we didn't. I know. Okay. I gave, okay. I'm giving everybody permission. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking, okay, you know, I don't, I don't give up on people like really at all, but, um, but man, some changes need to be made. And, and so I went to the leadership and I wanted to have a conversation. Well, I'd only been there a couple months and, um, so I sat down knowing the leadership was very nervous going into it. They, they all kind of thought I was going to fire everybody, even though I've never done anything like that. Um, and so when I wanted to look at not removing anybody, but just having a conversation with some of these folks, 
I was trying to tread lightly. And I went into this room with, with uh, three of the four elders and I found myself saying, uh, like making my case very much like Stephen did here, except my case didn't start with, here's why I'm right. My case started with, here's what I know. Right. And so what I did is I went through every member of the team and I said, this person is this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way. And my whole point was to lay a foundation for them to understand I'm not just doing this on a whim, but rather I've considered everything. And while you may think I don't know what I'm talking about, and maybe you've known these people for years, I've only known them for three months. By me sharing that with them, it revealed to them that I had invested in those folks, that I did know who they were. And of course, they had the space to tell me I was wrong, but that was one of the comments when we were done is they were surprised at how well I knew the people. Well, in the same way, what mm. I see with Stephen is the same concept. Stephen's sitting down saying, look, because they, they may not, they may think Stephen is a reprobate mm. who is just <clears throat> defiant, has no, you know, is an idiot kid. I don't know how old he is, but I feel like he's <laughs> younger. Um, and so he's laying out, no, guys, check it out. I've thought about this. I have a word from God and here's my position. And so he lays all that out. So, so with all that said, marrying that to what you said, John, about defending your faith, I think the reason so many people can't, you can't defend a faith academically. Sure. You can't. Yeah. Because you will get blown up there, yeah. because it's your intellect. Yeah. It's it's not your guts. And this yeah. is what Stephen's doing. What Stephen's speaking is coming out of his guts. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know this because he knows this. He knows this because he's a part of that same story. Right. Because he's written into that. Yeah. Um, maybe he doesn't even know that's the case. Mm-hmm. But he's sharing out of his passion and out of his guts. And I think that, that you know, I want to encourage those who would be listening to this Man, don't start reading scripture with the mindset of, I need to get this down and get this down and this down so I can defend it. Mm-hmm. No, talk to God. Really? Read scripture, talk yeah. to God, and and recognize, you know, in fact, on the way over here, I said, <laughs> I said this to Wayne, was, ironically, because we weren't talking about this passage, but I was on the phone with him, and uh, I, I don't even remember how I said it, but I remember thinking, man, that means a lot, but it I said, if you can only, something to the effect of, if you can only really understand your scripture intellectually, you, you don't understand it at all. When, when I, I think the thing was, when the word you get from God, that's what it was. When the word you get from God is incomprehensible, like you can't grasp it, but mm. you know. <clears throat> that is more powerful than anything on the planet mm-hmm. because your intellect did not resolve that. You didn't do some mathematical equations and get to an answer. Mm-hmm. You were told by the creator of the universe, a truth that you now can't even explain, mm-hmm. but you know it. And that's the place that I think Stephen's in, in this moment when he's sharing that. So let's go back and read the words from chapter six. Cause when you study scripture, you gotta you gotta Connect tie chapters pieces. together, right? <laughs> right? Right. So so the accusation is is that uh, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. <laughs> and you go down to verse thirteen, it says, And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against his holy place and the law. Mm. And we've heard him say he will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. Mm-hmm. So can, can we maybe talk for a minute for those folks who have been in, in a difficult church situation where there's been church turmoil? 
you talked about defending our faith, but everything's not about mm-hmm. necessarily defending our faith. Something, some things are about the fact that that when 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 people are unhappy with what's going on, they don't like what they see. When when there is a move of God, there will be people who will rise up against that. <laughs> right. And and there's nothing you can do to satisfy those people. Mm-hmm. You have to decide if you're going to please man mm-hmm. and recant. And that's isn't that the choice that that Stephen had here? He's he's going to recant what what he has stood for, and he's going to please those leaders, or he is going to stand on the fact that what I've been involved in is what God is doing. And he is defending that he is part of what God has continually been doing. And that man always is straying from God. Man is always having contention, as you were mentioning, Jeremy. And, and we have to figure out how to deal with with conflict in any church grouping, whether, whether it would be a house church, whether it's a, a formal uh, church gathering, like, you know, we're in the New Life building today. There's a building, there's a group that that meets here on Sunday, mm-hmm. they're organized. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have a group that that meets at Golden Corral one night a week uh, around three tables put together and you can have conflict. Yeah, and, and we have to figure out how to resolve that conflict. My goodness, you can have conflict within yourself. Of course yeah. you can have conflict with one other and more. But but just, just changing and running yeah. isn't always the answer because there's gonna be conflict waiting at the next stop at the next group of believers, at the next Golden Corral, at the next house church, at the next organized church. John, you've been mm-hmm. in ministry longer than any of us have. <laughs> uh, there, there is always conflict, sure. is there not? Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, you always have this rub between uh, the past, present, and future, what God did, what God's doing, what does God want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he doesn't change, but he's always changing everything because he's progressing from the beginning of time to what we read in Revelation, the fulfillment of a new kingdom, or new heaven and earth. And so he's moving everything forward. And oftentimes when we get, we make a commitment to Christ, we get into a church and, you know, that's that embryotic uh, birthing of the child. And that's what we know. And that's what we appreciate. I, I can think back to when my wife and I came to Christ in Castro Valley, California, during the Jesus movement back then in 60, 70, 1970. And we loved the people. We loved the church, whatever. And sometimes if you're not careful, you get locked into that. But there was even changes that God was bringing within that local community there, that local church, that not everybody embraced because they liked it the way it was. We, we like our comfort zones, right? But God's always progressing, wanting to move us forward to grow and develop in Him. So um, you always have that rub, right? I think it's uh, what Stephen was saying was true because Jesus said that. And He was coming to bring a new covenant. The old was ending. But these guys want that old wineskin. They, they didn't want the renewal. They wanted to keep it like it was, right? And, and so that's like that constant flesh versus the spirit that we hear, read about in the New Testament mm-hmm. about where... Man is always in flux. Are you gonna Are you gonna want what you want, or do you want to surrender to what God wants? Right? Do you want it your way, or are you willing to say, "Okay, Lord, I want what you want. Your will be done." Right? And, and so, you know, that's always at play. And generally, what happens from a pastoral standpoint? Of course, I have to accept the fact that God had to do a renewing in me at a point in time, mm. which saved me. It really did. Uh, and He told me, ironically, you were mentioning about this, Jeremy. 
He said, you're, you're a product of intellectual Christianity. You need to get back to relational Christianity. Mm-hmm. See, he's talking about yeah. relationship. He's talking about a family of people who had this interplay of life and of happenings and of events, right? So it's a relational base that he's standing upon. And they can't deny it because they're part of the history. Right? Yeah. Uh, but if you try to intellectualize it, somebody can always blow a hole in your argument mm-hmm. intellectually. Yeah. But you can't deal with, you, you can't overcome the personal relationship that God establishes within people and that you know that you know that you know because you know him. You, you know, you're intimate with him, right? Uh, so that helped. That helped me. But what happens oftentimes when this change comes, people have to make a choice. You know, am I willing to humble myself, walk this out, see what God's going to do? Or I don't like it that way. I want it this way. So they either drag their heels in the in the ground and create conflict within the church, or they get their back up and they leave, right? Yeah. But the problem is never the pastor, the church, or the people. The problem is you. Mm. The problem is me. Because if I'm not allowing him to work in me, there's always a point of resistance that I'm going to come to that I'm not going to want to go beyond that because it's uncomfortable, right? But the glorious work of his redeeming grace is to acknowledge that. He told me in this transformational time, he said, I love to find sin in you. Now think about God loving to find sin. (laughs) Right, yeah. But he's redemptive in everything. Right, yeah. The sin has no issue with him. Jesus already paid the price for it on the cross. Mm-hmm. It's me that the sin is holding captive. Yeah. And if you'll let, he said, if you'll acknowledge it where you're missing it, I'll remove that and I'll put more of my glory in. And so the, the, point, the point in the context is God is all about developing our character. He doesn't care about our comfort. Yeah. yeah. These guys were uncomfortable. They didn't like what was happening within the Jewish community because Jesus started it. And he's got his followers now out preaching the same thing that he was preaching, right? But and so they, they they wanted the comfort over the character development and and the transformation that Jesus wanted to bring to the hearts of people, and that's still really a flux in, in about everything. Sure, because it is, yeah. uh, am I going to open myself and surrender and let God do what He wants to do with me, like the Potter and the clay analogy in the Old Testament, or? Am I going to put restrictions on what I'm going to let God do, and therefore build my own kingdom? Mm-hmm. I become the God and Lord of my own kingdom. I may say that he's Lord, but he's not really Lord if I haven't surrendered everything to him. And if I'm resisting what he wants to do, then I'm my own God. He's not God, yeah. right? And yeah. so, so anyway. Well, Stephen, and, and this is the thing. He, you talked about he, he made them uncomfortable. They made him uncomfortable in kind. That's right? true. I mean, and this is the, it, it, the catalyst of it all is Stephen had direction. He, mm-hmm. he had direction, period. Yeah. And so, he, you know, that's where it all started is him sitting down, getting this revelation and you go, well, I mean, I can't sit on this. I have to move on it. Sure. And then that subsequently here we have the problem. And, and I say revelation, this relationship with, with, sure. with Christ and sure. this, this action. So, um, you know, the other thing, I, uh, it's a little side note because I know we're running out of time. A little side note that I thought was really cool is I have not seen this until today. Um, how Stephen breaks up Moses's life into the three parts for 120 years. Yeah. And that's really neat to me. His first 40 is basically being raised as a king's son, mm-hmm. which is great preparation because he's a king's son. Right. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's being raised up that way. Then he, he gets back to his roots and he, but uh, he starts to, right? And then he goes into this exile for 40 more years. Mm-hmm. So at 40, so he comes back at 80. Yeah. 
to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Right. And then continues with the children of Israel for another 40 years, mentoring them and fathering them. And and uh, I thought, man, that's just so interesting because just earlier, uh, I think it's actually when this when this episode releases, I think it's the next episode that I'm going to talk about this um, on the uh, something to con- or things to consider. I don't remember what it's called. Something about consider this. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever we call that podcast. Um at redux.church, you can find yeah, that out. Exactly. <laughs> but but I I, uh, I talked about sometimes how we it takes a long time to be used by God and we look at our life and we think, man, I'm just not being used. I'm just not mm-hmm. being used. And so to see what happens here with Moses, that really, really, he started his ministry by all accounts at 80. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Sure. But but everything leading up to that was relevant for him starting that right and i think that that's something too that's just very interesting it's unrelated to what's going on with steven so to speak but i think it's a a nice little gem that we can pull out of that we only got about a minute and a half here but uh, you and i were having a conversation earlier today uh, about someone that's going through a ministry change sure and uh, how there was some separation of some relationships we're not completely filled in on all the knowledge. Right. Uh, but how how disagreements as we develop should not separate our relationships that yeah. we previously had around Christ. And and I, I sort of see what we were talking about here in this in these 43 verses. Uh, you know, Stephen is Stephen is in rehearsing the history is trying to 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 say to them we're really on the same team. We're talking about the same God. We're talking about walking and following the same God. Can can we can we not have what we see going on that we may have some disagreement on theologically or doctrinally? Mm-hmm. Can we not have that separate us from who we are? We are brothers. That's where I was trying to get mm-hmm. to. You know, yes, he's a Christ follower. They're Jewish leaders, but they're brothers. Why does that have to separate us? Can we not find some common ground and figure out how to how to go on? You know, and to your point earlier, you when we talked about how Christianity was Judaism, just for people to understand this maybe even more clearly, at the time, Christianity was, was like a denomination of Judaism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, as we would see it today. And, but, you know, kind of to your point, I don't understand... Uh, here's here's my philosophy. The reason that we separate is we're afraid because we believe uh, it goes back to that intellectual faith. If I'm if I'm fellowshipping with a person who believes differently from, from me, and my my faith hinges on what I academically believe or understand, well, then all of a sudden now they're challenging my very spiritual existence when they challenge my belief system. Mm-hmm. But if my belief system is not my faith, it's my, it's just where I, it's just how I understand my mm-hmm. faith, that my faith is actually in Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, then what their difference of faith is an opportunity for me to grow. And, right. and I, so I would, <laughs> I would argue that the vast majority of people that have this issue, it's because they, to your point, John, they have an academic mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. And they have not had a, a, maybe they've had an experience with God, but they have mm-hmm. forgotten it years ago. And Revelation talks about people leaving their first love, right? Sure. And yeah. so it, we just need to get back to recognizing, look, man, nobody, there. the three of us believe some fundamental truths, 
we know that Christ died for our sins. He sure. brought us to this place of reconciliation with the Father. But man, we start talking about tithe, or we start talking mm. about end time prophecy, mm. or we, we go down a list. We're, we're all three probably going to have different thoughts sure. on that. Sure. But why don't we separate? Mm-hmm. Because that's not the point. Right. Our, our relationship yeah. with the Father made possible through Christ, active and alive today through the Holy Spirit working in us, that's the point. Yes. And you have to have a you have to have a sense of humility to say I know what I know, but I don't know everything I need to know. Right. <laughs> and it's like the it's like the picture in Revelation where God's on the throne. You have a rainbow, you know, seven colored rainbow, not the six. Yeah. Not the six colors, <laughs> the seven colored rainbow, which is God's rainbow. Different hues of God, different per, different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And if we get to a point where we think we know it all, we've got it all figured out, then that's going to divide me from you. Yeah. But if we say, Hey, I know what I know, but Hey, I'm open to hear what revelation God's shown you of uh, of Christ too, right? Mm. And so you begin to you're you're in a mature state where you're always, you know, there's a scripture that says ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Yeah, but you can always be coming to more more truth revealed to you if you have that heart. Then you don't really find a point to separate. You just find a point to grow yeah. together, right? Which is what the actual physical body and spiritual body is supposed to do. So All anyway, right. we got to, we got to wrap up here uh, for this session today. Uh, Pastor John, would you, would you pray us out yeah. under the theme of, of having some unity yeah. in the body of Christ? Yeah. Well, father, I, th- I thank you that you never give up on us. You're constantly yes. working with us. All you ask us to do is just to humble ourselves before you to say, you're God, you're Lord, you know all things. And Lord, I pray for those that are listening today that they will have a humble heart before you. And regardless of what they know, or what they've experienced in their walk with Christ, if, if they know Christ, or if they haven't come to know Christ, that they'll just humble themselves and, and be open and reach out to you and respond to the revelation you give them of Jesus Christ, that we can all grow and mature in our faith together. And I thank you for spirit of unity and cooperation that's upon this podcast. It'll go out into the hearts of people. And I pray if there's any that has been divisive and separated, that they will repent, they'll humble themselves, and be reconciled to their brothers or sisters in Christ. And even if uh, they're not in Christ, but just in human relationships, there's been broken relationships. I pray they'll humble themselves, Lord, and uh, receive your grace and then extend grace to others. So we just celebrate what you're doing and helping us to grow up into Christ, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All Amen. right. We are delighted that you've been with us. Uh, you can go to redux.church, find out more about what we're doing. There's other podcasts that Jeremy made mention of. And if you're listening to this in the first week, uh, there's still time to join us in our In Real Life event in Arcadia. We look forward to seeing you. We look forward to hearing from you. God bless. God bless.